station. Well, this is a, a shy batch. Uh, usually, folks are rushing uh, to announce uh, the party line. Good afternoon, Good afternoon and happy to be here. My name is Valerie Merritt. I'm the executive assistant CEO of the Campaign for Black Achievement. Glad to be on the line. Good afternoon, well, family. Greg Black and Black Family Development, Detroit, Michigan. Happy New Year uh, to everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> Yes, uh, this is the party line. This is the monthly uh, CBMA campaign for Black Male Achievement call. Absolutely. All right. Very good. Feel free to introduce yourself. We got about uh, two minutes left of the party line. Uh, Garrett, you're going to be the engineer, uh, and you'll be the one muting folks and introducing um, Chiba. And Dr. Phil, to get us started. So uh, we're in your hands. Uh, and do the party line for a couple more minutes. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, Sean Dove. Good morning. Say hello from Baltimore. All right. Baltimore in the house. Welcome. Good morning, man. And, Garrett, do we have all the speakers uh, on the line? I know I heard um, Alfonso Mayo. Do we have Miriam yeah, and, and Dario? I'm here. This is Dario. All right. Excellent. Do you want to speak a code? Yep. Yes, sir. All right. You have a classic carol on the side? Lettuce and tomato on the side and a spinach salad? Background. So we, we're going to give it another six seconds. Uh, uh, we're going to go ahead and mute. Go ahead and dive in. So we got six seconds to announce ourselves where they're from. Party line. Good afternoon. This is Daniel Russell calling from Baltimore. Right. That's a radio right there. Good afternoon. This is Mike Dorsey with Black Fathers Now calling from Knoxville, Tennessee. My man, how up, are you? Man, I'm wonderful, brother. We got to connect, man. That's right. That's right. Folks got to tune into Black Fathers Now podcast by uh, Mike Dorsey, who's on the line from Knoxville, Tennessee. This is John Jazz in Spain, Greenville, North Carolina. I heard Jasmine. Who was that, John? John Sands, Metro United Way out of Louisville, Kentucky. All right. Welcome. Simon Shabazz, Louisville, Kentucky. Great. Good afternoon. Kevin Bryan from Black Family Development, Detroit, Michigan. Welcome. The D is in the, D is in the house being represented. So, uh, uh, Garrett, uh, we're going to turn it over to you uh, to... Uh, Get us started. Thank you, Sean. I just want to say once again, uh, 
Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, depending on where you are joining us on this lovely Thursday, uh, the last Thursday of January. Um, so for those who do not know, the voice you are hearing right now is Garrett Richardson, Campaign for Black Male Achievements Membership Manager. I'm so delighted to be on this call with what I believe is going to be over 100 uh, various and diverse voices individual and organizational members here in the uh, CBMA membership network. Um, so we want to get things kicked off um, because we know time is money and money is time, and we want to make the most use of our time here today, uh, which is going to be consumed with our conversation and dynamic conversation led by our peerless leader, CEO uh, Sean Dove, along with four magnificent voices in the Black Male Achievement field, um, who are going to talk on this particular day about mentoring. For those who do not know, January is National Mentorship Month, Mentoring Month, excuse me. Um, and today, Thursday, January 30th, is actually Thank Your Mentor Day. So if you haven't done so already, make sure that you do reach out to that individual or individuals who you consider a mentor and let them know that you appreciate all that they have offered to you. And for those members who are considered themselves mentors, as I know we all do, uh, I want to extend my personal thanks uh, for all that you do for our young people uh, near and far and for the inspiration that you continue to uh, leave behind. So with that being said, I'm so delighted to introduce our first speakers, uh, this dynamic duo coming from Detroit and Oakland, respectively, I have the privilege and honor of calling them colleagues and friends. I would like to introduce Sheba Rogers, our Promise of Place manager out of Detroit, and the one and only Dr. Phyllis Hubbard, our senior director here at the Campaign in Health and Healing Strategies out of Oakland. So I'm going to turn it over now to Sister Sheba and Dr. Phil. Take it away with our welcoming remarks. Thank you so much, Brother Garrett. Uh, PCDNA family, we are so excited to welcome you to our first network call of the year as we commemorate National Mentoring Month. As it happens to also be a Thursday, I also want to acknowledge our CBMA Thank You Thursday tradition. We want to thank each of you for joining us on today's call, for being members of the Campaign for Black Male Achievement, and for all the work that you do on a daily basis for our communities, we just want to say thank you. One thing that I love about the start of any new year is that we have the opportunity to take a Sankofa moment to look back and to learn. Taking into the new year all that we want to keep, to build upon, and to strengthen in our work. How do we all continue to lead with intention, with love, and with focus? It's through taking opportunities such as these network calls or taking time for self-care or time to spend with loved ones to fill our spirits with what it needs so that we remain energized to do this amazing work. CDMA closed out 2019 on a high note with our ninth annual Rumble Young Man Rumble in Louisville and our third annual National Promise of Place convening, which we held in Detroit, and the release of our BMA Health and Healing Strategies Report. Looking back, so many amazing things happened across the Black Male Achievement field last year, yet we are looking ahead to the new shore 
and the deep work that's in front of us that we must continue to do to support our black men and boys across this country. So as we carry out this mighty work, family, for this new year, may we think about our mentors, our ancestors, and the black men and boys and communities that we serve. May we carry the fearlessness of Harriet Tubman, the determination of Marcus Garvey, and the resiliency of Martin Luther King, Jr., and the boldness of Sean Dove. We look forward to all that this year will bring as we continue to build with you, learn with you, and elevate the amazing work you all are doing. So please keep joining us back for these calls. Please keep checking in and sharing with us and just staying in the loop with us. So before we get into our speakers today, I would like to pass it over to my colleague and my sister, Dr. Phyllis Hubbard. Thank you so much, Sister Sheba, and greetings, everyone. I am so excited to share very briefly with you on the call today, and I just want to echo Sister Sheba's gratitude for all of you and for for the excellence that you bring to the work. And so as we are commemorating National Mentoring Month, I'm reflecting on a conversation that I had with my mentee yesterday, and I wanted to just share briefly with you um, to kind of set the tone for where um, my heart is right now. And uh, my mentee yesterday was in a car accident, and I'm grateful that he is not harmed. He's fine. Um, But as we walked through his current mental state, I realized that he was deeply feeling the collective grief that we all now feel over the loss of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and the other dear souls that were lost in the helicopter crash. And we were reflecting on, in the same way that we collectively acknowledge and process our grief, we must also remember that we can call on each other to ask for help and engage in the process of collective healing. And sometimes we don't think about that when we are thinking through the mentoring process, right? Grief is a part of it. We are trying to help people, um, you know, unleash their their best selves. And some of that sometimes is helping people to process grief and thinking about our own grief. And so sometimes when we're grieving, we don't know where to begin, and we certainly don't know or feel like taking care of ourselves. And this is why connecting with others and lifting each other up is so important. And so I just wanted to share just a few things that we all can think about, um, a few steps we could take to help ourselves or someone else who may be grieving. And really it's just thinking about, you know, even uh, offering a lending ear or seeking professional counseling from a mental health practitioner like a psychologist or professional counselor or a marriage and family therapist, social worker, someone, or a trusted friend, right? Calling a trusted friend when you feel triggered, having positive affirmations around, um, making sure that you get up and walk around, uh, take a walk outside, be in nature, do something to um, energize yourself. Um, Of course, relaxing and energizing breathing exercises are important, and I would not take any of those things for granted. Um, We're so used to feeling like, Uh, We can take these hits and keep going, but it's important for us to acknowledge um, this within ourselves. And so there are many other strategies, um, but I wanted to just take a brief moment to remind all of us that our mind is like a garden and we have to tend to it, pulling weeds of thoughts that no longer serve us, planting seeds of 
of our hopes and aspirations and dreams, which is what we're trying to bring out in our mentees, and then nourishing ourselves by acknowledging when we are in pain and reaching out for help. And so uh, with that, I will turn it back over to you, Sheba, or to Garrett, um, and I'm really looking forward to hearing from our, our mentors today. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Phil and Sister Sheba, for those welcoming remarks. So as we move this call right along, and I think we're doing fantastic on time, this is why we are all on the call today uh, to celebrate National Mentoring Month and thank your mentor day. Um, we are now going to pivot into what I anticipate being a very dynamic, informative, and most importantly, inspirational conversation uh, on the topic of mentorship and resiliency. Um, so, with that being said, I'm now going to turn over uh, to our moderator, who I have the pleasure of knowing and working closely with, CEO of the Campaign for Black Male Achievement, Mr. Sean Dove. Take it away. Great. Thanks, Garrett. And uh, we can all give a finger snap for Garrett. This is uh, his first call, membership call that he is moderating. He has been with the CBMA team uh, less than uh, three months and has hit the uh, CBMA ground rumbling. And uh, along with Steve Vassar and the rest of the team last uh, month, well, actually, no, yeah, December, uh, led the charge for Rumble Young Man Rumble. Uh, Thanks, uh, Sheba and uh, Phyllis, Dr. Phil, the body whisperer, and Sheba, the queen of pop, uh, for opening us up for uh, this uh, month's call. And for those of you that are unfamiliar with the campaign for Black Male Achievement or this is uh, your, your, your first call, uh, just want to let you know uh, very quickly that uh, CBMA is a national membership network that seeks to connect and support cross-sector leaders just like you on this call and organizations that are committed to improving the life outcomes of black men and boys. Uh, at the heart of our work, uh, we seek to ensure that your work grows, that it's a Sustains and that it has impact, and even beyond that, that uh, this is a national movement to improve the life outcomes for black men and boys, That uh, and CBMA serves as a catalyst for connecting leaders and creating this sense of belonging. Uh, you heard from Dr. Phil, one of our core strategies is around BMA, health and healing strategies, uh, referred to Sheba as the queen of pop, and what that means is that she leads our promise of place work, uh, promise of places, pop, and the uh, building blocks, and what does it mean and what needs to happen uh, in places for uh, cities to engage and increase uh, uh, their uh, commitment to the Black Male Achievement uh, Movement. Uh, we conduct fellowships uh, to develop uh, uh, leaders, and uh, uh, most of you know about our signature uh, convening, uh, Rumble, Young Man uh, Rumble. We just completed our ninth annual uh, uh, Rumble. And at the heart of what we do is we really uh, tell your stories, uh, the stories of uh, leaders, men and women just like you, and at the root of that story and your stories is one of our mission mantras that says, you know, there's no cavalry uh, coming to save the day in our black communities. Uh, we are the iconic leaders we have been waiting for, curators of the change we're seeking to see, and I'm just thrilled uh, to introduce uh, uh, four iconic leaders and, and curators 
for uh, the mentor and uh, thank your uh, mentor call uh, today. And I uh, just want to make sure we have uh, everyone on the line. Do we have Miriam Ahmed on the line? Yes. All right. Hello, uh, welcome. Uh, do we have Sheldon Smith on the line? Yes, sir. All right. So uh, Miriam's calling from Louisville. We got Sheldon from uh, uh, Chicago. Uh, Dario, are you on the line? Yep, I'm here, man. Okay, great, great. And I want to let you know that uh, Dario is calling in live from uh, the National Mentoring Partnership Mentoring Summit, uh, uh, NDC. We'll hear more yes, from where, about where he's based. And do we have Alfonso May on the line? Yes, sir. All right. B. Moore is uh, uh, in the house. Uh, we can actually take up this entire call with just one of you uh, dynamic leaders. We have four, uh, so uh, this will be a rapid response uh, and just uh, looking forward to this conversation. And uh, I'm just going to ask and start with you, Miriam, to uh, ask you to briefly um, introduce yourself uh, to the network on the call, uh, who you are, what you do, and why you do it, and then we're going to go down the line. But you're on first. All right. Thank you so much, Sean. Um, I'm so honored uh, to be on this call with some giants. Um, at the heart, I am an includer and organizer. Um, I love to bring people and ideas together. Um, I'm passionate about collective efforts to achieve systematic changes that promote and ensure equity, health, quality of life, peace, and uh, social justice. Um, I currently work as a, an assistant director for the Mayor's Office for Safe and Healthy Neighborhoods. Um, we are charged with uh, working to reduce and prevent community-wide violence uh, in the forms of homicide, suicides, and overdoses. Uh, really, um, we work to advance peace and prevent um, uh, violence um, across the city. And I do this work uh, because it's my purpose. Um, I'm originally from uh, Somalia. Uh, it's a country in East Africa that was uh, destroyed by civil war, uh, basically na nationwide uh, violence. Mm, great. Thank you. I'm looking forward to coming back to you. And Sheldon, we're going to uh, go to you next. Briefly introduce yourself, uh, who you are, what you do, and why you do it. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Sheldon Smith. I am the founder and executive director of a great organization in Chicago called the Dovetail Project. And, and essentially, the Dovetail Project is a fatherhood initiative for young African-American fathers between the ages of 17 to 24. We teach them parenting skills, life skills, and something called felony street law. And when a father completes the program, they receive a job, a GED, or a trade. I've been involved in this work for the last 18 years. I started the Dovetail Project 10 years ago because I grew up with my father in and out of my life, and I wanted to make a difference in other young African-American fathers' lives um, just to really impact the next generation of children. And so uh, mentorship has been everything to me, um, just a young boy from the south side who has been able to do some amazing things but I've only been able to do it because of God and because of having great mentors. And so it's such an honor to be on the call with you all today. And, uh, and I look forward to talking about our organization and the great work that we're doing and hearing more from you all too as well. So thank you, Sean, so much for having me on this call. 
Great, great. Now, I just want to do a, a disclaimer. Uh, there is no relation uh, with the Dovetail Project. Love the name, uh, but no, uh, no relation. Uh, we're going to go to Dario next. Uh, coming in live from D.C. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, my name is Dario Vasquez. I'm from Harlem, New York. Uh, 24 years old. Um, I am uh, consider myself a huge product of mentorship um, and a lot of organizations like CBMA. Um, so uh, still getting used to being on this side of the work, like I always say. Um, I am the co-founder and director of a dual beneficiary mentorship uh, program. Um, that focuses on the retention of men of color at the collegiate level by recruiting, training, and hiring them to become mentors for ninth and 12th grade boys uh, in the local community. Uh, I'm a first-generation college graduate, um, graduated back in 2017, uh, and I've been running our organization uh, ever since. Um, right now we're focused on uh, expanding to other uh, colleges and universities um, across the country. Yeah. Great, great. And Dario, I don't know if that's you uh, in the in the conference. Uh, I am from one of the speakers getting some back uh, back noise, and so um, you might have to like mute uh, until you uh, until you speak. All right, uh, if that is uh, indeed you. And uh, then the uh, the fourth speaker uh, from Baltimore, Alfonso. Hey, hey everyone. My name is Alfonso Mayo, but most people just call me by my last name. Uh, and that's all tied to athletics. Uh, first and foremost, thank you guys for joining us. It's such a privilege to be here. Uh, I am first and I'm a, I'm a husband. I am a father of five. I am a proud son. Uh, and I am just a Baltimorean at heart. So I am a Ravens fan, which means that I love Lamar Jackson and I love our defense. Um, honestly, I am the founding and executive director of an organization called Mentor and Mentors. Uh, where our mission is to enhance academic achievement, inspire confidence, and expose youth to positive mentor experiences that would change the trajectory of their future. Uh, I got in this work, honestly, um, my ninth grade year, uh, I had really low literacy skills, and I started to tutor first and second grade students who taught me the language of reading. Uh, I'll save the story, but I wound up graduating 10th overall in my class in high school, and since then, I always wanted to give back. Um, and so mentoring is it's in my, it's in my DNA. Uh, I'm very passionate about it. It's my way of serving. It's my calling. And so I'm just glad to be on this call with you guys today. Great, great. And look, we're going to go popcorn style and get in uh, where you can fit in now. And uh, I just wanted to say uh, just thank you to all of you. Uh, you know, CBMA has a tradition called uh, Thank You Thursdays, and uh, we uh, try to challenge everyone on the team to uh, send out uh, five uh, thank yous and, and gestures of gratitude to folks in our network, whether, either via email or tweet or smoke signal, however. Uh, and I am sitting here just looking at four, your four pictures on the uh, marketing materials and can't help but smile because I know you all, you all know each other from, uh, I think, rumbles and just doing the work. And I just want to say, Thank you for your leadership, and thank you for your love and your, 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 your commitment. And um, I just want to ask uh, all of you to weigh in on uh, the question, um, what's the change as a black male achievement leader uh, that you're seeking to see? What's the change that I'm seeking to see? So this, again, this is Mayo. I guess I'll weigh in first. 
uh, one of the biggest changes that I'm seeking to see, especially with regards to mentoring, is just a fair opportunity across sectors, right? So whether it's leadership, whether it's academics, whether it's uh, policies, um, I'm seeking to build confidence in young men, uh, especially here in Baltimore. I noticed that there's this huge gap. Uh, one thing that I preach, I teach, and I live by is that competency equals confidence. And so the more competent that uh, I feel that, you know, all of us in the work that we're doing, we can have the individuals that we serve, the more confidence that there will be, and we can start to level out some of the playing field to break down some of the systemic cycles that we see because we're not always in position of powers to make change. Uh, and in order to do that, we need to be very confident and we need to understand that collaboration is the key. So, Great, great. Cool. cool. This is uh, Darielle here. I would say um, uh, the two changes I want to see, um, let's go hand in hand. Um, first, we, you know, we the field has been, um, you know, really successful at um, getting more young men of color, more black uh, men to uh, college than ever before. Um, and so, therefore, this, this, we have more men of color at these colleges and universities than ever before, more dropping out institutions. Um, so where I see myself and the work that we do fitting in is how do we how do we change that? How do we help men of color uh, stay on these campuses and thrive and succeed uh, and go back into the community and, and, and be leaders in the field? And that's, that goes to the second thing I want to see. I believe that um, young men of color between the ages of 18 and 22, especially those who are products of this work, are best positioned, uniquely positioned to lead this work um, and do this work on the ground. Um, so those are the types of changes I want to see. All right, great. Thanks, Dario. I'll I'll take it next. I'll I'll say um, for me a change I'm seeking to see in the world. I mean, one of the things that's been my journey, because I've been a nonprofit for so many years. The last ten years for me has been fatherhood, and so one of the changes that I'm seeking to see in the field is that we could, you know, that we could start talking about fatherhood and the importance of it. Um, the same way we talk about education and homelessness and, and employment, but we're really talking about a critical piece that's really needed outside of mentorship is fatherhood and how that that piece is important to the next generation of children. And if we don't get it right, what does that mean? And so that's the, that's the, that's the piece that I'm seeking to, to see in the world because oftentimes, um, we don't we don't really recognize it or see it or get involved with it until it has something to do with us. But it is something that we've passed up for many, 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 many years, and it's something that needs to be re-highlighted and talked about and uh, and invested in. So um, so that's the change that I'm that I'm looking to see in the world is that the field starts to drill down even more and really paying attention to parenting all around, particularly young parents, 17 or 24. Great. Thanks, Sheldon. Miriam? Um, Miriam here. So I would like to really see um, our vision for helping to create safer communities across um, the country. Um, what that means is that uh, more young black men have um, access to the resources that they need uh, to live a life free of violence and to have opportunities to uh, reach their full potential. I'd also like to see the work kind of uh, take on a global lens um, because a lot of the issues that we see uh, both um, here locally and across the nation 
um, the issues that we see are issues that are very similar um, across um, the world for uh, black people in general. And so I think um, through mentorship, uh, through connections with folks who may not, you know, um, have the same upbringing, we can really um, shift towards that. Great, great. Uh, so, you know, this is, um, you know, thank your mentor day. And I'm sure that uh, everyone on this monthly uh, membership network call uh, would agree wholeheartedly that wherever you are and what are you, whatever you're doing as a, uh, a leader, you did not get there uh, alone. Uh, you know, we collectively uh, uh, stand on the shoulders of our ancestors, family, and community, uh, and, and, and mentors, right? And uh, uh, many of us have a long succession of mentors, uh, uh, even to this day. And I'm just going to ask each of you to uh, uh, briefly share uh, a uh, thank your mentor story, right, and how a relationship or a, 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 a word or, or, or something from a mentor uh, help transform your trajectory or accelerate your trajectory as a uh, as a leader. Mm. All right. Mm, I think. Yeah. So I'll go. Uh, and That's Mayo. Again, I'll just say, yes, sir. It's Mayo. Uh, so for me, it's, and I, and I shared this many years ago uh, with National Mentor, but. The truth is, uh, had it not been for this one particular individual in my life, I probably wouldn't be doing the work and I probably wouldn't be here. Uh, but his name is Roland Brown. He was my youth athletic coach uh, from ages 12 to 14. And uh, this one particular year, um, I, I actually quit the team. Um, and I was so used to just men giving up on me in general, uh, but he didn't. Uh, you know, even though I quit the team one night, he came by my house. Uh, he told me that he wouldn't allow me to quit because he seen the potential in me. I think that was the first male that had ever spoke that type of uh, language in my life and said that he actually believed in me, and that built my confidence. Um, it built my morale. Uh, I never quit anything after then uh, or after that situation, and um, I even lived by a, a, a cold where it's never get comfortable, but a lot of that just came from the never quit mentality. Uh, that Coach Roland taught me. So I'm in honor of, you know, Mentor Month. I, I, I thank Coach Roland every year for just being a lifesaver. Mm. We thank him also, brother. All right, who's uh, next? Yeah, this is uh, Dariel here. Um, I'm a, you know, I have so <laughs> so many mentors in my life, man, but I'll say uh, – uh, first and foremost, I, I went to Thurgood Marshall Academy in Harlem, and there was this brotherhood program there that was started by two black male teachers um, uh, who taught there, um, Mr. Johnson and Mr. Washington. Uh, they saw me as a ninth grader. I think they saw something in me I didn't quite see in myself. I was a bit of an angry kid, a bit resentful, um, very disruptive student, especially in middle school. So. I got tracked into a, an IP um, tra track when I entered ninth grade, um, mostly because of my behavioral issues. Um, and, bond, and I joined the bond program, Brothers in a New Direction, um, when I was in ninth grade. Um, and uh, I credit them to everything that's come afterwards um, in my life. Um, the brotherhood there, I think meeting other guys who had those same struggles, um, who um, were trying to find their ways same as me, um, and trying to deal with whatever issues they were dealing with. 
I think it's actually what made me so passionate about wanting to do this work. Uh, and I think I was able to see the major difference in the, the, the paths and lives that I took versus my boys that grew up with in my neighborhood. Um, you know, they didn't have Bond, they didn't have Mr. J, they didn't have Mr. Wash, you know, so, um, mm-hmm. you know, those those have been my two mentors that, that you know, started it all for me, you know. Great. Thanks, Dario. So I'll, I'll say for me, um, man, as I, you know, just listening to, to both of those brothers, as I think about the root of what, what has gotten me into the work and, and just being successful today, um, my mother was a single parent um, in a community called Woodlawn on the south side of Chicago. She worked from 6 in the morning to 8.30 at night. I was this knucklehead kid running through the neighborhood doing things I had no business doing. And there was a guy by the name of Dr. Joseph Strickland who was home from jail, went to the University of Chicago to get his MSW, and decided to start an organization called Magic. He was telling me, hey, look, you know, you're a smart kid. You know, everybody in the neighborhood listens to you. Let me show you what to do with your leadership skills. Let me show you what to do with your You know, let me teach you community organizing. And um, and I didn't believe in it, and, and I fell in love with it. And I learned all about community organizing, and I went down to Springfield to fight for immigration, to fight for um, legislation around youth and gang violence, legislation around families. And I fell in love with this work. But I just think about how my mother being gone, how I was in between the streets and uh, a nonprofit that existed in my community. And it was a community member that started it and saved me. And so here I am today running my own organization, and uh, I've been doing it now for 10 years. And so um, when I look at my impact and what we've been able to do with, with so many young men, I really dedicated to uh, Dr. Joseph Strickland for, for showing me, you know, that nonprofit was the way. I didn't want to do nonprofit because I grew up poor, and I didn't want to be poor. Um, I, I wanted to go. I was going to school for civil engineering um, because I love building things. And so what I wind up building is a great organization, and here I am today in the middle of the field. So if it wasn't for his mentorship um, and me being able to go through that agency, I wouldn't be here today. So. I thank you all for allowing me to reflect on that because I need to call him and tell him I love him. But thank you all. Mm, thanks, thanks, Sheldon. Awesome. Um, I've also had a lot of um, really amazing people pour into me um, that continue to pour into me. Um, but two names that I'd like to lift up are um, Stacey Bailey and Jai and uh, Quaniqua Carthon Love with uh, Cities United, our partner organization. Um, our national partner organization. Uh, Both of these folks have um, really leaned in and supported me in ways um, that I can't really explain. Um, They've affirmed me. They've believed in my leadership before I could even uh, see it within myself. Uh, Stacy, in particular, I met her when I was in undergraduate studies, and um, I always held a passion for human uh, rights-related issues. um, Sorry, Miriam. I'm sorry, uh, Sheldon. Sheldon, I, I think that might be you with the back noise. Um, I got it on mute. That that is uh, on, on on mute. All right, either Alfonso or, or Dario, uh, because definitely want to hear uh, everybody clearly. And uh, it got really loud when um, Miriam was uh, uh, speaking. So I'm sorry. To, okay, it's better now. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Thank sorry. you. 
Um, so I uh, met my mentor, um, Stacy, uh, when I was in undergraduate studies. Um, I was really confused about what I wanted to do. Um, she kind of just took me under her wings. Uh, she knew that I had a passion for human rights in general, but really pulled me into social justice work and invited me to work for the Muhammad Ali Institute for Peace and Justice. Um, that kind of led me to getting into advocacy work um, and meeting other like-minded folks who are passionate about making a positive difference in their communities. Um, and so I ended up meeting folks like uh, Quaniqua, who uh, is a major asset to um, the City's United um, family. And uh, both of these folks are still in my life. They still pour into me. They affirm me when I have doubts about uh, just my leadership capabilities and skill sets. Um, and so I'm just really grateful for both, and I will be sure to send a thankful Thursday note to both of them. Great. Um, and I'm so glad that uh, Dr. Phyllis kicked off this call uh, in uh, elevating the importance of uh, self-care, acknowledging that, you know, there are folks that are uh, 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 grieving right now. Uh, even somebody on our team, Valerie, just lost her uh, her uncle. Um, and we all know that social justice, racial justice work um, is draining. Uh, it causes anxiety. It can be uh, very stressful and uh, sometimes depressing. Um, and, you know, in our partnership, in our BMA Health and Healing Strategies, we have a partnership with a uh, a National Cares Mentoring Movement, uh, Susan Taylor's organization, where uh, in California we are uh, uh, facilitating uh, healing circles for mentors and, and, and ensuring that the mentors, before they go into the schools, uh, are um, addressing their, their issues. And I didn't want this call to, uh, in our time to end without asking the question of, uh, of all of you, um, Talk a little bit about what you do and or what you need to do better around self-care uh, and wellness and, and, and healing. And you know we say the promise of place that, you know, you need a mentor. <clears throat> you need an executive coach as a leader. But you also need a therapist, uh, and that's a recommendation. But I want to ask you to uh, each elevate uh, around self-care and, and, and healing. Um, what's working for you, and uh, what do you need to uh, perhaps do more of? Uh, All right, you, uh, this, this is me. Go ahead, Derek. You got it, bro. All right, so this I, is Mayo again. Um, I think one of the things that I do uh, – and I've been doing it more frequently as one. I start my morning off with a devotional. Um, I dwell on that devotional. Uh, I pray, I meditate, and I reflect on that devotional. And I go throughout my day sharing uh, what I feel, you know, God has shared with me. I look for insights from other leaders. Uh, I take time out to read. And uh, I think because I'm, a, I'm an athlete at nature, one of the things that I like to do is work out. So, you know, some days my mornings don't start until 11 or they end really late because I, I work out. I think what I can do best and what I should try my best to do is uh, definitely have better habits at eating and watching what I'm putting in my body. Uh, as, a, as a leader, 
as a as a mentor, as a father, as a husband, I'm always on the go. And so uh, I convenience can be my worst enemy. And so, and I think sometimes what happens is that, you know, I often forget, even if I'm teaching it, you know, that our body is our temple. And without my body and my mind being healthy, um, the work that I do will go in vain. And so, you know, as a leader, I'm keenly aware um, that I should be eating right. And uh, and that's going, that's going to be a task for me. So for my guys who know me, hold me accountable because, Great. you know, I'm addicted to sugar. So. And, and Mayo, I know that Mayo, you're in a training, right? And you're gonna to have to jump off like in a minute, right? Yes, sir. I'm actually about to head back in. Um, so if, if all right, okay well, hold on, hold on. Before you. before you leave, you got to answer this one question. Uh, what would you do if okay. you were ten times bolder? What would I do if I was ten times bolder? Jesus Christ, that's a hard. Uh, if I was ten times bolder. I would always step out on my faith and not let my fears allow me to doubt. And what I mean by that is I will have more courage to speak up to people who are in power or I feel that's in leadership, and I will, I will call them out for the wrongdoing. Um, yeah, Great. I think if I was 10 times bolder. Thank, thank you. I wanted to make sure. I know you had to leave that we got that uh, in uh, for you, and I want to thank you, uh, brother, for your leadership and uh, all that uh, you do, not only for the city of Baltimore, uh, uh, for, for for the nation. Um, thank you. So, thank you. We, we, we're going to keep uh, moving, right? And uh, I don't know if you guys need a refresh on the question, but it's around what you are doing or need to do more of around self-care, your healing, and your, your well-being. Uh, I, I'll go next. Uh, so, Man, I think this uh, I think this is a powerful subject, and I and I want to try to be as vulnerable as I can for some of the other callers that's on the call who is who are CEOs or who are founders or executive directors and lead their organization. Oftentimes, at that level of leading, um, it's very lonely, and so um, what what starts to occur is, is is you think you can go around and ask everybody what to do and and. People don't; they can't give you the right answer because spiritually you need to you need to be talking to you know whoever your God is. And, and so, for me, um, as I built the Dovetail Project and it and, and it became more and more and more and more and more public and strong and a larger staff and and everything, I found myself saying, "Man, God, every time I go somewhere to look for the answer, I can't find it because I wasn't reporting directly to Him." And I would say mm. the, the the other thing was was in your journey as an executive director, your journey is to save the world. I mean, you're fighting every day to save the world. But oftentimes in that journey, you get so lost that you that you forget to save yourself. And so I I looked in the mirror one day, and I found myself overweight. And I I just started talking to myself like, man, why are you overweight? You know, man, you don't know who you need to talk to. So I had to get discipline. I had to. I I I prayed to God for discipline because um, I had the will, but you you got to have discipline when you have the will. And so mm. I wind up knocking that weight down. Um, I, man, I wind up getting my spiritual peace in check. Where now, you know, anything and everything that I do would go through Him first. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know the meaning of it. He forced my hand to understand the meaning of it because. 
everywhere I looked and turned around, I, I couldn't nobody give me the answer except spiritually I was I had to wait for him to deliver it and then execute it myself. And so what I would just charge every leader with is is, is as you as you are on the journey to save others, don't forget about yourself. The works will still be there. The most important thing you're gonna need in this journey is your health. You can't save the world without that, um, and and you need to have a strong spirit because you are about to you you running in the you you in the middle of a war to save the world. So your spirit has to be strong, um, and uh, that's that's the journey that I've been on as a 31 year old African American man. Um, that that's been a different type of journey for me because traditionally in our families, you know, we tell men suck it up, don't cry, don't. And you know, and I've just had to let all of that go and um and be who I am. And that's what I would tell everybody on this call. Just stop don't follow tradition in leadership. The way that you need to lead is the way that you have to lead. You gotta do it the way you know what what it is that you need to do. And keep your spirit in check. So that's what I would say. Mm, thank you. That's good. Thank you. Uh Miriam here. Uh, some of the well, I'm blessed to have a team that is led by um, a social worker who continuously reminds us to practice self-care. Um, I know that at the very beginning um, of my leadership, I didn't really understand uh, the importance of self-care, and so I ran myself way too thin to the point where I was having anxiety attacks. Um, and at that point, I knew that I needed to seek professional help and started utilizing therapy, um, which is really helpful um, in terms of my mental health. But in terms of my spiritual health, which is very important to me as well, um, one of the practices that I've implemented for the past three years is to express three things that I'm grateful for every single day, um, to celebrate the little wins, um, because in the work that we do, um, we're addressing systemic level issues. We're not going to see major shifts uh, within a year or so. Um, so celebrating the um, little wins is, has been very key in keeping um, faith and hope. And just rem reminding uh, myself that there are people uh, like myself across um, this uh, country and world uh, that that's been reassuring as well. People like everyone on this call. Mm. Thanks, Miriam. Mm. Yeah, uh, Darielle here. Um, you, you know, if you <laughs> if you would have asked me this question a year ago, <laughs> I would have told you, man, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not doing anything for self care. Um, you know, I think that there's a, um, especially having been first gen and all that kind of stuff, there's almost like a romanticization of like you got to outwork everybody, you got to work harder, um, you know, uh, sleepless nights, um, that sort of thing. And so I, I, I brought that with me um, into this work and then quickly saw myself really burning out, man. Um, it's not, it wasn't sustainable. Um, it wasn't healthy. Uh, and then I realized that a lot of it, that, that anxiety and, and, and feelings of loneliness, um, you know, that was mentioned earlier in the call, um, have deep ties to, you know, your mental health and having to check in on your mental. I think that uh, something I wanted to throw in there is that we just finished doing an external evaluation. We um, we had an external evaluator come in and interview all of our alumni of, over the last five years who graduated from college, um, and they all noted, these are all men of color, and they all noted that during, at some point in their college career, 
they experience mental health issues. 100% of all of our alumni uh, noted that. And so you, what you realize is, you know, during those formative years between 18 and 22, for me, that's when, you know, I struggled the most probably with things like depression and anxiety that at one point in my life I would have never called that. Like I would have never pointed that out or those habits as like, oh, man, like I'm dealing with anxiety. Um, but that, those things start crashing, especially for a lot of guys who come to college because we're dealing with this sort of cognitive dissonance. You, you, you come in some cases from a hood or from, you know, these very different backgrounds and go to it and you manage to make it to an institution of higher learning that isn't really designed for you. And those two worlds start crashing onto you and you try to find a way to navigate it. Um, you know, and, and I never paid enough. I think, you know, through the organization that we founded, we found a space of healing for one another. Um, which allowed us to, to to work through that and eventually graduate from those types of spaces. But um, I think for me personally, um, it started with me, you know, finding ways to forgive myself. You know, I mean, I think that uh, mm. some of this some of this work is deeply rooted for me. Um, and like I said, having privileges that my my childhood friends didn't have, and um, you know, having access to mentors and um, and 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 that being a major determining factor in, in me leading the life that I live now. And I had to forgive myself for not being able to bring them with me and then, and recognize that how much am I projecting that onto my mentees and, and, and not forgiving myself if I, quote, unquote, have, you know, try to save them. There's no such thing. You know what I mean? I had to kind of forgive myself to, you know, like I can't, you can't, quote, unquote, save them all. And there's, and, and there's really no such thing as that, really, you know. So um, forgiving myself for, for, for having guilty pleasures, man, like forgiving myself for, like, taking a break. Like it's okay to take a break. It's okay. It's okay to like relax. You know, um, you, you do feel oftentimes like you have to save the world, especially when you're working with a population that itself is dealing with so many traumas and trying to and trying to sift through them. Um, and we don't have the tools um, to to work through the trauma. I mean, we don't even have the tools to identify them in ourselves, man. So um, I, I found it was a real struggle up until recently um, to like let myself chill and not feel guilty when I did take a break um, and, and forgive myself for my shortcomings. Um, and I think that, that that's what kind of helped with the, like, man, I got to work harder, I got to work harder, I got to work harder. Um, it was because I wasn't letting myself go. I wasn't letting myself know that, man, I don't have to be perfect at this. I don't have to, you know, try to save the world in one night, you know. Um, that's that's what I've learned. Wow, wow, that's powerful. I want to thank all of you for uh, just your, your, your transparency and uh, your, your your vulnerability, um, and, uh, you know, and I'm sure Dr. Phyllis would agree, we could do an entire, and have done an entire call just on uh, this issue uh, alone, and uh, I, I, I got about 20 more questions, but uh, only about maybe five uh, more minutes before turning it over uh, to uh, uh, Garrett uh, to wrap us up, uh, but I wanted to do a twist uh, you know, Mayo had had to jump off, uh, and we have uh, the three of you on the call. Uh, and I was uh, uh, marketing you guys as the Fantastic Four. Uh, you are uh, uh, superheroes to me, and I'm gonna, uh, and I will ask you what your superpowers, what's your superpower. But before that, I want to ask if uh, any of you have uh, questions um, from the other uh, guest speaker. Right, uh, we have uh, three dynamic social entrepreneur, activist leaders, uh, founders um, on this call. Uh, you have any questions of uh, each other? 
I mean, I mean, before before even the questions, I just want to like just salute y'all. <laughs> you know, it's like so amazing and rare um, to even be on a you know uh, on a line um, with other people doing this work at such a high level. And um, um, you know, I'm, I feel honored to be on the call. So you know, even this is a side from questions, I just wanted to open up and just say like this has been super inspiring for me. Um, you know, and and um, and I feel honored to be on this call. I would say, what's what's the for you guys? What do you find is the, the the main motivating force when you when it is those late nights and we can't avoid those late nights? How do you um, inspire yourself to keep going and stay motivated? Let's throw that out there. Thanks, Darius. Man, man, thank you. I, I would say for me, um, because of everything that you mentioned earlier, I, I think for me, my my mind come around when I can see our young father's graduation. Or if I'm um, listening over listening to some of my case managers talk to them about um, going back to school or he completed school or he completed employment, just really hearing a brother complete something and do something, right? We all wake up and we go out here and we fight. We fight for our young people. And uh, we fight for our young people in ways that sometimes their own family don't fight for them. And so, you know, the biggest thing for me, because I'm out speaking and raising capital and, and being the face of the organization, oftentimes I don't really get a chance to sit down with these young brothers. And so when I'm hearing these stories, because I'm out working, the stories is what continue to motivate me and my staff. I mean, I have staff that, you know, that cry, you know, about the success of our young men. Um, and so that's what we have internally at our organization. And so, I, you know, I, 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 you know I've just been fortunate enough where, you know, where I, I've been able to build that type of uh, internal infrastructure. So, so yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful, bro. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'll just say two quick things. Um, what keeps me going is, one, I'm just looking at how far we've come, um, looking at the past and seeing um, all of the movements and all of the transformational work that has led us to where we are today. It's not perfect by any any means, and to a certain extent, we're going a little bit backwards. But um, there have been uh, moments in history where um, we've really changed uh, the the path um, that things were going on, and so that inspires me. And then also the youth, um, youth today, well, every day, <laughs> are just brilliant. <laughs> Their courage and. Um, their intellect uh, really, really just inspires me. All right. Thank you. Great. Thank you. And, and so I got a final question uh, before turning it over to Garrett. Um, and, you know, Mayo had to leave, but uh, you guys are still the uh, Fantastic Four. Um, and uh, in closing, um, and I need you to answer this question. Um What's your superpower? What would you do if you were ten times bolder? And what do you need from the CBMA network of leaders that are on this call and uh, will hear this recording to uh, help you in your work? Right? That's a lot, but you got to do it short. Right? <laughs> We're going to start with you, Dario, go with you, Sheldon, and we're going to close with you, Miriam, and then uh, the next voice after that, you will hear Garrett. <laughs> that is not one last 
uh, question. So <laughs> it's like, yeah, uh, uh, dang, that's heavy. Um, my uh, Pat, what I, my superpower um, is definitely my empathy, uh, my capacity to feel. I mean, like even just now over the phone, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I empathize just heavily with everything that's being said, and I think it's just uh, it's what really allows me to do the work that I do at the college and high school level. Um, so my superpower is just the empathy and the heart that I bring. Um, uh, if I was a hundred times bolder, um, I feel like a lot of the, a lot of the, I, I, I feel like I'd start really claiming and owning this stuff um, out there in the world. Like, you know what? Like, we are the only ones doing this exactly how we're doing it um, with my organization, um, and not being kind of like timid about just being really, really out there. Like, no one's doing what we're doing, and really being proud of that. Um, uh, but yeah, right now I'm just trying to get more evaluators to come in and like you know have them speak on our behalf. But uh, if I was Great. really a hundred times bolder, I'd just say it. Um, last question: uh, More of these, I think. This is more mm-hmm. of these. Um, um, this is this has been great. This has been an honor. Um, so I would love to be more part of these and more connected to the network. Sometimes we do all this work in isolation. Um, it'd be it'd just be great to have this this fellowship um, more often. All right, Sheldon, your turn. Thanks, Dario. Woo! Thank you, D, for giving me a chance to think. Superpower. I I would say my superpower is God has blessed me to be the guy that can be on the ground. I'm your I'm your front line. My superpower is being is being able to to, to translate between on the ground and in the boardroom. But I mm. love being on the ground in the weeds, um, uh, wherever it's in trouble at trying to save somebody. Some of us, that's not our mission, but that's my mission, and that's my superpower is to wherever it's trouble at, I want to be there. Um, If I was ten times bolder, if I was ten times bolder, um, if God blessed me to be ten times bolder than what I am, I would change the field of philanthropy. I would make it more different. I would open it up and make Mm. it more robust. I have a different flavor for how I think philanthropy should be ran the way it should look, the way org should be funded, the way subjects should be brought up. Um, and if I was ten times old, if God blessed me to be that, I would change that whole dynamic around all the way. And I would say the final thing is what I need. Man, I need more fatherhood advocates. I need, I need more. I, what I need from from whoever's listening on this call, if you know of any fatherhood data or any fatherhood policies that you feel are strong. Um, or that you feel that need to be fought for, I would love for you to send them to me so I can take a look at them um, because I'm, I'm, I'm looking to disturb the world and why it needs to uh, change some policies around for, for, for fatherhood. So those, those would be my two things. All right. And finally, Miriam. Are you, are you on mute? I am. Or you I are. Thank uh, you for that. Uh, I thought you were sharing one of your uh, sharing your secret power, like you were using <laughs> let the uh, be something. All right, go ahead. Um, my superpower is definitely love. Um, I see the best in anyone that I come across. Um, if I were to be, t- I am ten times bolder this year. That's my 2020 goal. I will be taking on more tasks that scare me, make me shiver such as speaking engagements like this. Uh, the support that I seek from CBMA is um, just being more accessible. Um, you all have been amazing. I love all of the rumbles. 
uh, BMA gatherings, just being a little bit more, um, or I guess doing more of these calls and just touching bases with us uh, more frequently. Mm, mm, great. Uh, Miriam, Sheldon, Dario, and uh, Alfonso in, in, in absence, uh, uh, we just want to let you know that we love you. Um, and uh, thank you for uh, all that you do. Love you back. Um, and, uh, and I know that we speak on behalf of all your mentees, right? Even if they haven't called you and said thank you, uh, we love you on their behalf. And uh, thank you for uh, all that you do. And I'm going to turn it over uh, to you, Garrett. And uh, Garrett's going to wrap us up. I think he has a couple announcements uh, before uh, uh, closing. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you, Sean. Uh, thank you, Miriam, Sheldon. Dario, my brother, hope all is well in D.C., man. Um, and Mayo, who had to jump off the phone earlier, the Fantastic Four. I think that's something that we're going to stick with uh, throughout the rest of the year. So I hope you all take that mantle up. I'm just really humbled and honored to uh, be in this position uh, to present uh, our closing remarks for our first membership network call of the year. Uh, I do hope that you all, especially for the new members on the line uh, and folks, first-timers with your membership network call, that you can take a glimpse into the value of being a part of this community from coast to coast and around the globe, um, hearing from such dynamic, inspirational, uh, and uh, invigorating voices. Um, for me, it's about leaving these conversations and then sharing the message. So even if you um, or someone you know uh, should I say, was unable to join us, uh, please make sure that you share the recording. Uh, that will be going out as soon as it gets downloaded um, to the rest of the network. Please share with them. Please discuss and continue the conversation because this is just the beginning. Um, with that being said, I'm going to dive into some of these announcements. Uh, I appreciate you all for holding on a little bit past uh, 2 o'clock, but I think you're going to enjoy what I have to share with you all. I have two announcements, but there are two very big announcements, uh, announcements that we're really excited about here at headquarters at the Campaign for Black Male Achievement. The first is um, announcing our Spring 2000 uh, Procter & Gamble Community Conversations or Community Chats on Implicit Bias. So for those of you on the call now who attended uh, this past December's uh, ninth iteration, ninth edition of Rumble Young Man Rumble, might remember our community conversation that was facilitated by my esteemed colleague, uh, Rodney West, Development Manager of Campaign for Black Mill Achievement, um, based off Procter & Gamble's uh, commercial entitled The Look, which dived deep into the narrative or the negative connotations and narrative around being a black man and boy um, and digging into implicit bias and how we can change the narrative around implicit bias within ourselves, uh, within our families, and then most importantly within our communities and workspaces. So these are going to be various uh, conversations on uh, implicit bias that are going to be taking place throughout the spring of 2020. Um, we have our eyes set on four particular cities that we are going to be coming to you in the spring, um, including Baltimore, Maryland, uh, the Bay Area out there in California, uh, Chicago, so Sheldon, we coming to you, my brother, and uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. So these are going to be four additional community conversations uh, spearheaded by the Campaign for Black Male Achievement in partnership with the Procter & Gamble Company. Uh, be on the lookout for the announcements for official dates this upcoming spring. 
And secondly, I'm excited to give you all an insight. You all are kind of getting some insider perks uh, being a member of this call today to, f to be the first to hear about the official, but I'm going to call it unofficial because it hasn't been put out publicly yet, uh, the unofficial launch of our a American Express Leadership Academy at the Campaign for Black Male Achievement Fellowship uh, for the year 2020 going into year 2021. So going to give you a quick breakdown, uh, overview of what we are talking about when we talk about our AMEX Leadership Academy here at CBMA. CBMA will be taking 24 emerging leaders into the black male achievement field uh, to Greensboro, North Carolina to jumpstart a 12-month intensive leadership experience. Now, while in Greensboro, our fellows will be immersed in the rich history of the civil rights movement, led and taught by living civil rights icons, Reverend Nelson and Mrs. Joyce Johnson. Once again, for those who were with us in Louisville this past December, uh, the Johnsons were our Lifetime Achievement Award recipients. They have been doing this work twice, twice my lifetimes for any 30-year-olds on the phone. Um, so these are living civil rights icons who will be taking our fellows through an uh, I'm sorry, immersive leadership uh, experience using the historical context of the civil rights movement rooted out of Greensboro, North Carolina. In addition, fellows can expect to receive one-on-one -on -one leadership coaching, uh, a brave uh, and supportive peer-to-peer -peer learning community, and a comprehensive leadership development curriculum facilitated by another one of our partners down there in Greensboro, the Center for Creative Leadership. Now, upon our departure from Greensboro, fellows will continue in this year-long uh, learning community that will ultimately strengthen and deepen individual and personal leadership as well as organizational growth. Some key considerations for those of you who might be thinking about applying to become a 2020 AMEX fellow or know of someone who would be interested. Uh, when we say emerging leaders, we're talking about individuals, people of all racial and gender identities, as well as ages, who are committed to advancing black male achievement outcomes within their respective organizations, their networks, and their cities and or communities. These are high-achieving professionals with typically less than 10 years of work experience in the BMA field. And most importantly, and, and I do apologize for those of you all who do not live in one of our Promise of Place cities, but we are focusing and only accepting applicants who are located in one of our five Promise of Place cities, that being the city of Baltimore, Detroit, Louisville, Milwaukee, or Oakland, as well as one additional city, that being uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, which is going to be the site for our uh, annual fellowship kickoff convening. Uh, some key dates. You might want to write this down. I said this is unofficial, um, but you will soon be hearing from me by email. Uh, the official application release date is scheduled for Monday, February the 17th. So that will be here sooner than you think. Once again, the unofficial, soon-to-be official application release date to become or to submit an application to become our next American Express fellow here at the Campaign for Black Male Achievement is Monday, February the 17th. And so in order to stay informed and in order to ensure that you don't miss a beat, uh, a notification, or anything related to what we have going on here at the campaign, um, you need to do, make sure you do two things. Uh, make sure, one, 
obviously that you have joined and become an official member of the campaign, and that takes less than 30 seconds, um, whether it's yourself, and anybody can join once again, uh, regardless of your work experience, regardless of how you identify. Um, in order to join, you simply go to blackmailachievement.org slash join. I'll say that again. In order to join, which you should do if you haven't already, blackmailachievement.org slash join. And lastly, to make sure you're getting all of the latest news, great news, um, hearing about some of the great work that uh, our guest speakers are uh, fantastic for, and so many other of our uh, members are doing across the country. In order to stay informed on the latest things, all Black Male Achievement, make sure you are following uh, Campaign for Black Male Achievement on your social media channels. We are available to you on Twitter at BM Achievement. We are available to you on Instagram at Campaign for BMA. And lastly, on Facebook, Campaign for Black Male Achievement. Make sure you click that follow button so you do not miss out on all of the amazing content, activations, activities, and applications uh, to become the next uh, member of the American Express Leadership Academy at CBMA Fellowship. Uh, with that being said, unless, Sean, you have anything else to add, I'm going to bid you all adieu. We have officially been on the phone for 75 minutes. Y'all can blame Sean for that. He did say it is my first call, so I'm not going to be held accountable. But for next month, I <laughs> promise you all we will do a fantastic job on keeping it within the 60-minute time frame. So with that being said, folks, I want to thank you all again, and I want to leave you with some homework. Make sure you're not only following and joining, but make sure you reach out to a mentor today. Um, send them a letter. Send them a text. Give them a call. Send them an email. Do something to make sure you let them know that you're thankful and appreciative of what they've been able to contribute to you. Uh, with that being said, thank you all, and have a blessed uh, rest of your week from here at the Campaign for Black Male Achievement. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Sean. Love y'all. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah.